listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have Peter Watts joining us in the studio. Welcome, Peter. It's good to be here again, Jason. Welcome, listeners. It's good to have you back here, Peter. Uh, on our new series, this is our second episode. A Light in the Dark. A Light in the Dark. So just a short series. I think we've got five episodes in total for this one. So we're on number two. Mm-hmm. Now, Peter, I've got a question to kick us off today. Have you ever received one of those scam emails that uh, promise you to get rich quick? All you have to do is uh, communicate with the person and um, make a small payment, and uh, then you can have a million dollars deposited into your bank account. Only a million. <laughs> well, it could be more. <laughs> could be, could more. be more. Yes, I have. I think actually, you know, perhaps you might be uh, surprised if I had not received one of those because yeah. many people seem to have received them. Yeah. Um, but yes, the uh, and it kind of plays on our desire to get ahead. It plays on our desire to. Um, get lucky and uh yeah i've received those but I, I i suppose i'd heard about them even before i received one which meant that i was kind of forewarned so when it came to me i was uh, able to um avoid uh unnecessary damage but yeah sometimes uh there are there are con men around there i mm. call them con men there may be even con women but mm. uh, uh there are con people out there who um play on our uh uh, insecurities, but also perhaps our desires. Our desires, yeah. Mm. I mean, most people um, would uh, want to have a few more dollars in their bank accounts. Most <laughs> of us would. It's true. And uh, it's, it seems to be becoming more and more common, whether it's outright uh, scamming in terms of just trying to mislead people to mm. uh, paying for something that they don't or shouldn't have to because it's not actually legitimate or something else but i was um in launceston yesterday uh, for some work related meetings and um a part of it was talking about uh cyber security uh cyber security systems and and how we you know personally look after our own data and so forth and and even this morning driving to uh the studio here um i was listening on uh, abc news about um the data breaches from uh, medibank private and um optus and others and um you know how uh delicate i guess uh cyber security is and and uh, the need to be uh, across that so that we don't get ripped off mm, absolutely it's uh, it's something that we need to be careful about mm. and uh sort of relates to our topic today as well but uh, we'll get into that shortly mm. last time you were here we talked about a subject called behind the mask mm. And I know that um, sometimes you referred to it as a mask and other times you referred to it as a mask. (laughs) Here we go. We won't go into that again. (laughs) Let's not. (laughs) But if you want to go back and have a listen to the previous episodes on this series, uh, Light in the Dark, then you can do that using the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. Or you can download the Faith FM Australia app from the App Store and all of our episodes are there, all of our series. Every one of them from the time that we first began broadcasting on Tassie Encounters. Mm. So go back and have a look at that. 
So, Peter, today our topic is called Is God a Killjoy? How would you like to introduce this today? Yeah, I think that um, if we, most people, many people I think in Australia would probably answer that question with a yes. The idea that is God a killjoy? Is God, um, is God wanting joy for me or does he actually want to take away all the things that make life fun? Mm. And certainly, uh, I think there are people who uh, may be listening to this who would say, yeah, God is a killjoy because he doesn't like this and he doesn't like that and he doesn't want me to do this and that. And uh, I probably would uh, have, have uh, um, agreed with that opinion uh, at certain points in my life, it, even though uh, I would say that I was an atheist. If you asked me what God was like, I'd be able to give you an opinion on what God was like, mm. and I would probably have described God as a killjoy. And uh, what, what we want to explore in today's uh, program is is what is what is God really like, and also um, what is His attitude towards our joy. You know, what does God want for us? And I think a lot of that um, depends upon the way we see God. I think the way that our picture of God, and I mean the primary picture that we have of God, affects greatly how we read the Bible, how mm. we read Scripture. And, and how we interpret God, Yeah, how uh, we understand him. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that uh, we are n- we're never immune from the picture of God that is painted within our culture. Mm. And I think that that's important for us to uh, acknowledge and recognize the fact that our culture paints a certain picture of God, and, and we sometimes imbibe that, we, we absorb that, um, and it becomes a part of the way we, um, you know, uh, approach the subject of God or the way we think about him. So, for instance, you know, there's a passage in Second Chronicles 16.9 that talks about the uh, omnipresence of God, the fact that God is everywhere and sees everything. So maybe you could just read the uh, the first part of that verse. Yeah, it's Second uh, Chronicles 16.9 in the New King James Version. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. All right, so this idea that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro in the earth, that, that God is always watching, and, uh, you know, we, we could probably do a whole program just on that particular topic and, and what that's all about. But because God is constantly watching, we think, well, he's watching to catch me out. He's watching in order to find out what I'm doing wrong. He's watching in order to be able to wag the finger uh, and point the finger and say, see, you, you, you messed up again. Mm, and Like the big brother type thing. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Mm. And I think, you know, um, it's, it's interesting. I come from the UK and I think the UK has more CCTV cameras per capita than any other uh, European country anyway. Mm. Um, and uh, it's a quite a highly surveil- surveillance uh, culture. Uh, and people are concerned about that because, mm. you know, who's watching and what are they going to do with that information and mm. how are they in, going to interpret my actions and behaviours and so forth. And and I think that we read a verse like uh, the one we just read uh, about God's eyes being everywhere and what is – we have to ask about what God's motivation is. God in that because he wants to kill our joy or is he actually looking out for us? Mm. Uh, and I think the way we see God um, – heavily impacts you know the way we're going to read scripture there's another verse i wanted to uh, read here proverbs 14 12 in this in the idea uh, you know in this uh, subject of is god a killjoy 
This is Proverbs 14.12, and it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Mm. Now, that's an interesting, insightful um, verse. You know, there's another verse where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. So uh, Jesus is saying that there is another way uh, to walk, and uh, that brings truth and it brings life. Um, But it says here there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Sometimes we do things that we think is a good idea. It seems right to me. It seems right at the time. And we can think of some, you know, maybe extreme examples of this where, you know, somebody might try an illicit drug, you know, at a party because it seemed right. Everybody was having a great time um, and they tried that illicit drug. And then, of course, that may actually actually lead to death. You know, once a, a person gets addicted and, the, and that illicit drug, um, you know, reaps its harvest, as it were, and, and there are consequences for that. And so, you know, many of us uh, would probably recognize that and say, well, yes, you know, I'm not going to try cocaine or uh, heroin or what it is, you know, whatever it is, because I've heard stories about, uh, you know, where that can lead, even though it might seem like a, a you know, a, a good experience or a high that people engage with at the beginning, its end is the way of death. And so we avoid that. But we don't necessarily apply that um, to to other things. And we, what we want to explore today is, you know, what is God for and what is he against and why? What is his motivation? And so when we talked before about the eyes of the Lord um, go throughout the earth, um, we can either see that, you know, what is our picture of God? We can either primarily see God as like a school principal, mm. right? Come to the principal's office, you've done something wrong. Watching out for when you make a mistake. Exactly. And, and to punish you. A fault finder <laughs> yeah. uh, or a policeman or a judge or an executioner uh, or an accuser, mm. right? Um we see God as a stern, and what I'm saying about that is, I'm not saying that there are no uh, elements in Scripture that, that that point to God in some of these ways. I'm saying, what is the primary view of God in mm. the Bible? What is the primary view of God that we have? And our culture certainly paints God as somebody who is severe and judgmental and harsh and uncaring or arbitrary, vengeful, unloving, selfish, power hungry, and so forth. And I think that's that's the uh, common pervading uh, view of of who God is. Um, but I want to suggest that the Bible also paints another picture, and this is my primary picture of God, and that is of a loving Father. Mm. And when we see God as a loving Father or a loving parent, then we get a different view of why His eyes are constantly on the world. Mm. Uh, so, in other words, if you know, if any of us who are listening have been parents. I have a, a wonderful son who's now grown and married himself. But um, I would watch my son in whatever he was doing, whether he's playing Lego or where he's out on the football field or whether he's doing the washing up or whatever. I'd like to, to, to look at my son and see what he's, what he's doing because I care for him. I love him and I, I'm just interested in, in him. We're going to ask you, what ways have you discovered genuine sources of joy? We'd love to hear from you this morning at our show number 0488 880891. That's our Tassie Encounter show. Text us in your answer to this question. We'd love to share with others what ways you have discovered genuine joy. Text us in. Share something this morning with us and we'd love to share it with others today. 
Um, but right now, this is How Deep the Father's Love uh, by Jason Hort, featuring Lizzie Bailey, Emily Hurd, and um, Jill Dezwan. <laughs> Brought me life. 
You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and today we're speaking with Peter Watts on our program, a new series called A Light in the Dark, and we're talking about Is God a Killjoy? And before the break, we asked you a question. In what ways have you discovered genuine sources of joy? We'd love to hear from you today. So text us in on 0488 880891. Now, Peter, we've got to ask the question, I guess, why does God, why is God sometimes seen as a killjoy? Mm. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, um, sometimes I think God, uh, is depicted, um, as, uh, being against things that he's not necessarily against. So, for instance, we'll, we'll talk about sexuality, um, you know, in a moment. Uh, and some people think that God is against all sex. In fact, some religious teaching, some Christian teaching teaches that God, God is, you know, not in favor of sex and that sex is only for procreation, for instance. Um, so, so sometimes God is pictured as being against all sex, right? Mm. Um, on the other hand, uh, there are other things that people perceive that God is against, um, and they, they sort of perceive that God is against fun or pleasure. And what we want to actually discover in the scriptures is, is, you know, what does the Bible actually say about pleasure? What does it say about joy? And what does it say about God into relation to some of these things? But I think a lot of these things um, are that, that God is against things that we in our culture like to practice um, and we may perceive that they bring pleasure, um, but God knows the end result. And we've talked a little bit about that before. There is a way that seems right to a man and so forth. And the, the things that I'm going to list are not things that are theor- theoretical to me. I used to be an atheist. I used mm. to be a person who up until the age of 26 lived uh, my life as though God did not exist. And um, I have engaged in lots of the things that we're going to be talking about here and discovered the truth, I guess, experientially about the um, the notion that these things are fun and pleasurable uh, and what they ultimately bring. I want before and we're going to be talking about things like alcohol and smoking and gambling and uh, sexual immorality and so forth. Um, because these are things that are perceived in the world and even promoted in the world as bringing pleasure. Um, but then we want to look at some of the consequences of those things too. Um, there is an interesting passage in Hebrews eleven twenty four to 26, and it talks about Moses, um, but there's an interesting line there that I want to pick up. Let's read it, and it says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. All right, there's a line here where he says, um, choosing to be with the people of God rather than the passing pleasures of sin. And the, one of the things I want to pick up from this line is that sin is pleasurable, mm. right? It says the passing pleasures of sin, that, that sin actually is pleasurable. And sometimes uh, we who are believers uh, or in the church, we can often paint a picture of, oh, no, sin is, is never pleasurable um, and it should be avoided because it's always going to be miserable. No, there is some pleasure attached to sin, but the, the, the challenge is that it's always fleeting. It's passing. And I guess what we want to ask ourselves as human beings is, do I want passing pleasures or do I want lasting pleasures? Mm. Uh, and it's not simply that the pleasures of sin are fleeting and that they pass. 
It's that they leave something behind mm. that is unpleasant, right, and can even lead to death. Sometimes great destruction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's not simply, well, I'll, I'll indulge in that passing pleasure and then it's come and gone. Mm. It's the consequence that that leaves behind that's so damaging, and this is why God is is opposed to such things. So, you know, if we talk about alcohol, for instance, and there may be many Christians, and I've heard Christians say, well, God's not against alcohol. Jesus turned water into wine, right? Um, and uh, part of the understanding of this is, is what does the Bible mean by wine? When the Bible uses the word wine, it can mean uh, it's the fruit of the vine. It's the product of the grape. You know, we, our word wine, um, you know, we re- derive uh, two different words, wine and vine, but they're of the same root word. It's the, it's, it's the product of the vine, which is the grape. Uh, and they, of course, would use, use that to make wine. And wine could be alcoholic or non-alcoholic, de- depending on the context. And if you look in the Bible and people are getting drunk, then clearly it's alcoholic it's wine. Yeah. And, and there's not a – I don't think that I can find anywhere in the Scriptures where you've got people getting drunk and it's positive, that they said, yeah, they had a wonderful time and they were all getting, you know, smashed. Um, you don't see that. And, and so. And yet that seems to be the culture we live in these days. It does. Mm. And, well, the culture I used to live in, for mm. sure. And, you know, I, uh, some of our listeners may have heard my story, but I used to be a cocktail bartender, uh, for four years. And, uh, if anybody's seen the, the film Cocktail with Tom Cruise, that was the kind of lifestyle that we were living in. Um, I have seen both sides of that from the perspective of marketing and promoting and selling drink and alcohol and also being on the other side of the bar and consuming that and uh, you know i've i've seen that in all its elements and um you know you you can think about the the uh there are thousands of deaths attributed to uh alcohol alcohol related deaths every year uh that we don't hear a lot about so for instance you might hear about the road toll so many people have been killed on the you know australia's roads this year and isn't that terrible? Uh, and it is terrible, right? But we do not talk about the thousands of people who die or are hospitalized because of alcohol-related situations. Mm. We just don't talk about that because it's not culturally popular to talk about it. You know, we see ads for alcohol if, on if a we, regular basis. If we do talk about things like that, we're considered a killjoy. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> this is it. So so he's got a killjoy. Is he a wowser? Mm. Or, you know, some of us who've had experience, like I said, of promoting and serving alcohol, but also being on the other side of the, the, the uh, bar and uh, consuming uh, copious am- amounts of alcohol, we, we can see that the damage uh, that is there. We know, and look, I don't have the exact statistics um, on me, and I don't know whether you do, but I know, for example, that uh, even during the week, um, you know, something like 10% of admissions to emergency are alcohol-related, and then on the weekend it quadruples. Right. You know, and it's just the cost to society mm. of alcohol-related um, activity, activity, accidents, yeah. problems is huge. Yeah, it mm. really is. And, you know, um, in Proverbs 20, verse 1, it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Mm. And so the Bible always is cautioning, cautioning us to steer away from alcohol and intoxicating drink. There is a verse in uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verse uh, 1, uh, one uh, no, 
verse 22, I should say, Isaiah 5, verse 22. And if I read it from the NIV, this um, accurately sums up my life as a cocktail bartender. Uh, Isaiah 5, 22, it says, Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at mixing drinks. <laughs> that is, That was my life. Woe to you, Peter. Woe to In me. not old life. <laughs> and so thank the Lord I got out of that. But mm. what I'm saying is, you know, it's this is not theory. The Bible's counseling us, and and it, it tells us very clearly that drunkards will not um, uh, inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. And so uh, there is a reason why God steers us away from those things, because it's uh, it's not the fun parties that He is um, focusing on, the passing pleasures. It's it's the hangover. It's the uh, the destruction that occurs, the the violence that is done, the the damage to relationships that is done. And the damage to health uh, that is done um, by by that, and so First uh, Peter five eight tells us: be sober, be vigilant, because your enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So God wants us to be sober. Smoking, I think, is the easy one to talk about because smoking has become, you know, far less popular in this country, and we've had mm. the uh, the advertising campaign, haven't we? Where you've got cigarette packets that have uh, all these grotesque uh, pictures of people having operations and the, and the like and the negative health consequences of smoking. I remember uh, in, in the 80s, um, I guess when I grew up as a teenager, uh, there was a big push to advertise the, the detrimental effects of um, you know, perhaps even into the 90s. Mm. And we've seen, you know, the level of smoking drop substantially yeah. in Australia, which is a good thing. Well, yeah, and, yeah. and you know, but... Like I say, when we were talking about alcohol, alcohol still is used to promote various sporting events. For instance, we might, you know, back in back mm. in the day, you and I might remember the Benson and Hedges cricket, mm. you know, where cigarettes were used to market uh, sporting events and so yeah, forth. It's, and it's really interesting that the government has taken an approach with smoking, which has had a positive effect. Yeah. You know, it's reduced the the level of smoking and obviously the disease caused from that. Yeah. But uh, we haven't taken the same approach to to alcohol yeah and i think that you know at some point i'm sure that may come but um certainly you know and i was a smoker i was a smoker from the age of 14 to 24 and so um you know these aren't things that i'm I'm familiar with but we'll take a look at another couple of uh, things when we come back but when we talk about god being a killjoy I think it, we think about him being against things that are going to bring us joy when it exactly the, is the opposite is true. Mm. Now we've got a uh, question for you. Remember, the question is, in what ways have you discovered genuine sources of joy? We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488880891. This is more, uh, sorry, more, just simply more. I was struggling to uh, looking for more. to get that, but yes, it's just called More by Andrew Peterson. This is not the end here at this grave. Is just a hole that someone made. Every hole was made to fill, and every heart can feel it still. Our nature hates a vacuum. 
hardest part of all This is just the seed that has to fall All our lives we till the ground Until we lay our sorrows down And watch the sky fall made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're speaking with Peter Watts on the series A Light in the Dark. Now, Peter, before the break, we were talking about some of the things that uh, I guess ultimately appear like they're fun and they're good, um, but they ultimately do not lead to um, ultimate happiness and joy. Uh, there's a couple of more things you wanted to say about that before we yeah. move on to where do we find real joy? Indeed, mm. indeed. So the, you know, the question for our, uh, program is, is God a killjoy? And the reason I believe that God is often perceived or even promoted in our culture as being a killjoy is that God is, um, is, makes plain principles in scripture that would be opposed to certain practices that we find very prevalent in our culture. Mm. We've talked about alcohol uh, consumption. We've talked about smoking and they might be fairly obvious ones you know gambling for instance gambling is hugely promoted in australia at the moment Mm. i mean you Mm. can't turn on a tv and watch the ads without seeing an ad for a gambling it seems Mm. and uh the the the, you know sport for instance which many people like to get involved in and like to watch 
are saturated with with uh, gambling ads and so forth. And mm. um, you know, what's the big deal? Does the Bible actually say anything against gambling? Well, it's not directly against gambling, but it is against um, covetousness or um, the desire that the love of money. Uh, certainly spoken of against um, and you know beware of covetousness because it, it creates discontent if you're not content with what you have now you're, you're craving something else and the other thing is with I mean I again I'm talking from experience I used to gamble quite a bit I used to gamble on cards I used to gamble on snooker I used to gamble on the horses horse racing we've just had the Melbourne Cup obviously last week you didn't um, put anything on that one I didn't put anything on it oh. um, I haven't gambled on the horses for 30 years I think it was I lost I lost about it would have been about 450 Australian dollars on one horse race at one point in time. That's how um, bad it got. And I think that was the last one. And I think, I think I'm done with this. So it was actually a blessing that I lost that money because if I had won, it may have driven me on, you know, to continue uh, gambling. But what's interesting is we have this perception that if I won a million, you know, I would be happier. Mm. Right. And, it's interesting to the um, um, there was a business um, website, Australian business website that was talking about tw- the top twenty stories of people who had won the lottery and where their lives was you know a couple of years after they won the lottery, and many of the people were worse off than before they won the lottery. They were either poorer um, that all the money had gone or they'd lost family, or they'd lost their health, they'd lost relationships, um, because the perception is that if I just had lots more money, I would be happier. But the question I think that God wants to ask us is, why aren't you happy now? Mm. In other words, you know, money buys us things. We all have money, we all use a little, you know, we all need a little money, you know, to use on a daily basis. Money is not evil, all right? But our relationship to it can be that we, you know, the Bible says um, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Mm. And so um, it's interesting to to follow some of those stories about we perceive that this is going to bring us happiness. But I believe uh, from experience that it is God who brings us happiness. And, you know, they say the best things in life are free. And I really believe that. Um, I've experienced that, that, that it's actually God and relationships that bring happiness. And all of the other things are just uh, trimmings, you know. Um, and so there are Bible verses that, that encourage us not to crave money, not to love money. It's okay to have money. There are rich people in the Bible, mm. right? But it's what is our relationship to money and what is our relationship to God and what is our relationship to other people? And then the other thing we could talk about at length, uh, and I won't, but we could talk about sexual immorality. Mm. We, we look at the Bible and it's God himself who invents sex. So God is not opposed to sex, but it has an appropriate um Avenue, mm. and that avenue is within marriage. Mm. God invented sex for marriage, um, and there are certain things you know on air that we would talk about that we would all acknowledge are wrong. So paedophilia, for instance, sex with children, we would all say that's absolutely you know off off the limits. But who decides what is sexually moral and what isn't? Uh, and we would say as Christians that it is God God who decides, and God understands us as human beings. You see, sex is not simply uh, an act like playing tennis. Uh, there is an emotional investment. 
that when we engage in sexual activity with an individual, there is an emotional bond that's built there as well. And so, you know, there are some disturbing uh, statistics about um, the number of teenagers in Australia who have chlamydia or other sexually transmitted uh, diseases like gonorrhea or herpes or uh, HPV virus, uh, syphilis. And um, it's, it's very concerning that, and again, sexuality is something that's promoted. We're bombarded with it in the culture. Pornography is, um, you know, a plague uh, of, of, you know, epic proportions that um, it's almost like you have to do things to avoid pornography. You don't have to go seeking it mm. out. You almost have to avoid it. And so uh, why is why is God against those things? The Bible talks about fleeing sexual immorality. And uh, the reason for that is, I believe, that he understands that joy comes from relationships and uh, that sex without that relationship ends up in loss, not gain. Mm. In other words, we're giving a part of ourselves away, but we're not gaining from that relationship because the, the relationship may not exist. So if there are some things that whereby we might think of God as a killjoy because he's against certain practices... We, that need, we need to look at what, uh, what, what he wants what, for us. Yeah, what does bring joy? In fact, mm. it's interesting. If you look at John fifteen eleven. I think you've got that there somewhere, Jason. I do. Um, please read that out. It says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Okay, these are the words of Jesus himself, mm. and he is talking to his disciples. He's, he's saying, The things I'm teaching you, I'm telling you because I want my joy to remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Wouldn't it be nice to be full of joy, uh, to be joyful? Mm. And in fact, I think it was um, a Baptist pastor that once said, uh, God is not a killjoy. He just opposes what kills joy. Mm. That's a good saying. Which I think is a great saying. And, and that is the truth of it. The things that God is opposed to other things that actually kill joy in the long run. They might be the passing pleasures of sin for a moment, but God is not interested in passing pleasure. He mm. wants lasting pleasure. Mm. And he doesn't want passing pleasure that actually gives you an injury, you know, at the end. He's looking for things that are lasting pleasure, and that's what he's talking about. In fact, um, the Bible says that... Um, there's there's another verse in Psalm thirty seven four. I don't know if you can pick that up, Jason. Psalm thirty seven four. Uh, yeah, yes, have a I've look at that. that. It says, "Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart." This does not sound like a God who is wanting to withhold joy mm. from His people. He's saying, "Delight yourself also in the Lord; He'll give you the desires of your heart." God knows you, Jason. Mm. He knows me personally, and He knows what makes us tick. And he knows what we enjoy, right? He knows what's going to bring us genuine, lasting joy, genuine, lasting pleasure. Mm. And that's where he wants to direct us. Now, don't get me wrong. All life isn't about joy and pleasure. No, there's going right? to be some difficult things. There's going to be difficulties in life. We mm. live in a broken world. Mm. We are broken ourselves. And that's why we turn to the Lord, because we want him to heal our brokenness. And so I don't want to paint the picture that, Life is uh, full of joy and pleasure and nothing else mm. because that's not realistic. It's not the world we live in. Mm. And, um, you know, I think that uh, sometimes Australia has been described as a hedonistic society. That is a, a society that is constantly in the pursuit of pleasure. Mm. Um, and there is more to life 
than the pursuit of pleasure. But what I would say is that pleasure and joy come from the pursuit of the Lord and his way and that those things are um, consequences, positive consequences of following God's plan. So rather than pursuing pleasure or pursuing joy, that those things actually come as a consequence of pursuing God and his will. Mm. And I think that's where genuine joy comes from. We've got our book offer today. It's called The Joy of Jesus by David Marshall. And the life of the kingdom is a life of profound joy, a joy that no person in no circumstances can take away. It's not a joy just for some future time. It's for now. Joy is the mark of those who have really surrendered to the king and tasted his grace. We're going to give you the code to claim this book offer right after the break. But right now, this is Joy in the Journey by Michael Card. Listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. And today we're finishing our program with Peter Watts titled Is God a Killjoy? And before the break, we talked about our book offer today and it was called The Joy of Jesus. 
It's a great little book, a simple one, and uh, we'd love to give you a copy of this today. So text in this code to our show number, 0488880891. The code today is LIGHT2, number two, no spaces, L-I-G-H-T, number two. Text that in to 0488880891. And uh, Peter, just before... Um, well, during the break, we we're talking about this verse. It's a famous verse, and it says, "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." Mm. That that word "free" sounds like a good thing. Yeah. And uh, do you want to just um, tell Explore us what that. this means? It's a little actually, bit? yeah, it's actually one of my favourite verses in all of the Bible because I did not know the truth. I didn't know Jesus, who is the truth, but I didn't know the the truths of His uh, word either. Uh, growing up and. Um, when you do find those things, when you do know the truth, it does make you free. It can make you free from guilt and shame and deception uh, and destructive practices. And so um, what we're talking about here is in this question of is God a killjoy is the things that God is opposed to. Uh, is God wrong to be opposed to those things? You know, is God really a killjoy and a wowser and just a wet blanket, you know, or is actually God... A loving father, is, which is what we are, are saying. This is a, what I believe the picture of God ultimately is, that he is a loving parent that wants the very best for his children. Why should God want less than the best for his children? And he doesn't want to see his children miserable. He doesn't want to see his children addicted. He doesn't want to see his uh, children suffering because of choices to engage in what is promoted as things that are going to bring joy, but they're actually the pleasure, passing pleasures of sin and they leave a big hangover. Mm. And so God is uh, looking for things that he wants us to be guided to things that produce lasting pleasure, not passing pleasure. Mm. So I think that that idea of knowing the truth and the truth making us free, it's free from the deceptions, uh, the fallacies that some of these things uh, are promising. Just before we wrap up, I want to share a message that uh, Linda has texted in. Linda's from uh, South Australia, and she's texted in that there's so many things to find joy in. We wish there was more time for them. few of those things for me are spending time with God, hanging out with my husband, daughter, cat and chickens, <laughs> time in the veggie garden, long beach walks, especially on a sunny day playing and listening to music. And, of course, listening to Tassie Encounters. I like that. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> I feel better already. <laughs> Thank and you, Linda, for texting in. Indeed, indeed. And this is the thing. I think the things in God's Word, we, we, when we put it into practice, we, uh, we can discover that, you know what, that God actually does have joy for us and he has uh, things that are planned that, that will be joyful and that they are... So often, as I've mentioned before, free. Uh, you talked about the, the truth will make you free, but the, often the things that God says will bring joy um, are actually free things. Mm. Um, there's a, a verse there in Romans fourteen seventeen that I'd like you to read, Jason. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he's talking here, Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he's talking here um, about what really uh, joy is about and what, what brings joy. And um, where he says there uh, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, he's, he's basically saying it's not in the um, temporal things of today. You know, often we will eat and drink mm. because it'll make us feel better. 
right? Mm. And it is great to eat good food and drink. I'm not, mm. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of pleasure in food and drink. But we've also artificially manufactured food and drink that's designed to taste really good but might not be great not, for not us. Very healthy it's for not, us. Not mm. really good for us. And so, and that is really a, a marketing ploy to get you to buy more of that product so that you'll, um, you know, uh, that that business will get wealthier. So some of these uh, things are not uh, the motivation. What is the motivation behind this? The motivation for God is He wants to bless His children. Hmm. That's the thing. And so we're we're coming back again and again to this idea that God is a loving Father. Take a look at Psalm eighty four eleven. It says, "For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold." From those who walk uprightly. All right, that's an important line there because when we're talking about the opening question, he's got a killjoy. Uh, this verse tells us no good thing will he withhold. Mm. Sometimes we think, oh, God's just trying to restrict my freedom. He's trying to restrict my happiness. And these are actually accusations that the devil has made about God. It's really about the character of God. Is God kind, loving, um, caring? Or is he just restrictive? Uh, and we have noticed here that it says no good thing will he withhold mm. from those that uh, walk up uprightly. Right. So he, he's not wanting to withhold any blessing from you and I. Um, but he does want to withhold those things that are harmful, those things that are toxins to our body, those things that are going to produce um, you know, negative results in, in our uh, health or in our relationships. Mm. And so that's very important for us to understand that God is not the withholder of joy, uh, but he is the one who actually gives joy. And then if we look at Galatians 5.22, which is talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And I think that list goes on a couple more as well. Yeah. That's right to verse 23. But, but the point there is, you know, you've got the fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit being in your life. If you have the Holy Spirit working in your life, mm. you will be producing joy, uh, love. And the next one is joy, right mm. after love. And in fact, I think love is the banner over all of them. And with love comes joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and, and so forth. So uh, I believe sort of love is the, the banner one because God is love. Mm. The, the Spirit of God comes from God himself. It's, it's the third person of the Godhead himself. And if the fruit of that, the fruit of having the Spirit in your life, is going to be love and it's going to be joy. And so far from God being a killjoy, God is actually the bringer of joy. And I want to repeat uh, what that Baptist pastor said, which was God is not a killjoy. He just opposes what kills joy. Mm. And I, ha I have to testify, as somebody who had engaged in uh, drinking and smoking and drug use and gambling and sexual immorality, um, I have discovered that those things which God wanted to protect me from and to steer away from, those things only brought unhappiness. They brought uh, detrimental effects to me. Whereas when I follow God's path and I embrace what the Spirit brings, that joy actually comes from the Lord and, and from the relationships that God intends and blesses and wants us to engage in. And so... Um, yeah, I find that the, there is truth in that. The, this uh, this last passage, First John one four, 
is very similar to the words of Jesus, and uh, John is obviously recording uh, something similar to what he, he um, wrote in John 15. And maybe you can read that. This this is put a, sort of put a ribbon on uh, this today's show. First John 1 John 1.4. It says, And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. And that's really uh, what I would want to say is God's intention is that our joy should be full. God is not a killjoy. He's not wanting to restrict our happiness. He was not wanting to restrict our joy. He's certainly not one who wants to kill our joy. But God is not a killjoy. He just opposes what kills joy, and he wants our joy to be full. What could be better than that? I want to be joyful. I want to be full of joy, and uh, that comes from connecting with God and following his path, and uh, that's my experience. You know, there's uh, one verse that um, you had in your uh, script here that I want to read because it also puts another perspective on it, mm. and this is um, Jesus speaking, is it? I, I'm not sure. It says, well, John I, is I writing. Have, John is, so it's actually John yeah. speaking. Or is it John right John, John is writing. Well, interesting. No, no, I think John is writing to the church at large. And mm. he's, he's, John is working to try and in, in, connect people to God. Yeah. So he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And that relates to that earlier voice. So um, when we follow God, when mm. we follow the truth, when we follow in his uh, guidance, yeah. Um, I'm sure that brings God much joy as well. Well, yeah, this really talks to the idea that being involved in mission to connect others to God brings us joy. Mm, okay. Well, next week, supply chain security is your topic, and uh, that sounds interesting. Uh, we haven't got time <laughs> to talk about what that's going to be about. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. Same time, Daniel Mateo tomorrow with Carmelina. They'll be talking about The Voice. So uh, not the program on TV, The Voice, but uh, do tune in for that. If you've missed the code for today, The Joy of Jesus is our book, and light number two, L-I-G-H-T and the number two, text that in to 488 880891. Well, that's all we've got for you today, and we do hope that uh, you have a great day wherever you are. Maybe may you feel the joy of God today. There is nothing in this world that can truly satisfy me like Jesus. love for his love is true